Welcome back to the CSP Elite Baseball Development Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Cressy, and this is episode 142. We've got a great guest today, really cool lesson in perseverance, undrafted free agent who made it all the way to the big leagues and has had some success there. Um, embracing Unique. It's a funky delivery with an interesting pitch mix, which we'll talk about, but also just a lot of good lessons learned from you know everything from Tommy John surgery to going to junior college before he wound up as a Division One player. Um, really enjoyed this. A guy that we're, we're fortunate to work with at Cressy Sports performance Florida. So I see him on a daily basis um, and just a great hard worker and a really good story. So I think we're all in for a treat here. This episode is brought to you by Proteus Motion. Proteus has developed the only practical and accurate way to quickly measure physical strength and speed across the entire body. Power is plane specific and most of human movement is divided into three dimensions, but strength and power has typically been measured using one dimensional movements performed in a straight line, things like the squat and the bench press. Measuring more than that can require numerous pieces of lab grade equipment and hours of time. Proteus Insight softwares give trainers the ability to focus precisely on what, where, why, and how to personalize training programs. In as little as four minutes, Proteus software guides users through full body assessments that test all planes of movement and delivers unprecedented data on precisely what areas of the body need improvement and where an athlete's movement falls on the force velocity curve. Set demographic filters to compare an individual to someone like them using Proteus's proprietary database of millions of reps. Get insights and actionable and understandable recommendations to work into programming. Proteus Insights software delivers the most personalized training insights in history. On a personal level, I've been a big fan of Proteus for the past few years. We have a unit in both Cressy Sports Performance Facilities, and I actually helped to develop the Cressy Power Test for rotational athletes. The information we've gathered from this testing has been an absolute game changer in helping us to more optimally program for our athletes. Additionally, as a training initiative, work on the Proteus has allowed us to train different points on the force velocity curve and rotational patterns in ways that medicine ball work alone could never do. Proteus is doing for full body physical strength what the x-ray and MRI have done for body imaging. It saves coaches a lot of time and headaches in their assessment of what makes an athlete successful and what qualities need to be improved to take that athlete to the next level. Learn more about this revolutionary performance testing and training solution that is an essential component of sports performance and sports medicine settings across the U.S. and Canada at www.proteusmotion.com backslash elite. You can also learn more about them by listening to episode 106 of this Elite Baseball Development Podcast. Again, that's www.proteusmotion.com backslash elite. Check it out. You won't be disappointed. Today's guest is a right-handed pitcher who grew up in Boynton Beach, Florida. After one year of junior college at Palm Beach State, he headed to the University of South Florida. In two years there, he logged 159 innings and 164 strikeouts and a 3.33 ERA. He then signed as an undrafted free agent with Milwaukee Brewers after the 2018 MLB draft. In pro ball, he moved to the bullpen and worked his way up the ranks over the 2018 and 19 seasons before missing the entire 2020 season due to the cancellation of the minor league season because of the COVID pandemic. When baseball restarted in 2021, he went directly to AA and advanced to AAA by the end of the season. He began the 2022 season in AAA before the Brewers called him up to the big leagues on May 30th, 2022. He made his MLB debut three days later. In his first year in the big leagues, he made 30 appearances, logging 34.2 innings with 40 strikeouts, 13 walks, and a 2.86 ERA. Please welcome to the show, Peter Strzelecki. Peter, my man, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Now, tell me where you are at right now. This is this is definitely one of the more intriguing interview setups we've got. I honestly felt like you would like this. So I'm at my high school in the classroom while 
the high school basketball team is playing. Literally, you may even be, uh, you probably won't be able to hear them, but right across the hall, there's the high school gym. So I'm in one of my high school classes. I like it. And chance to to drop a little feather in your cap. You were, your number was retired there last week. Yeah, it so, was. Kind of the big man on campus. You got full access to school now. I love it. <laughs> good relationships, you know, just keep good relationships. That's what it's about, man. All right. So let's, let's talk this through, dude. I, you're a unique breed because, and it, it's actually fitting that you're at your high school. You're a South Florida kid who actually played multiple sports in high school. And normally the way like year on baseball works, people get squeezed out. Um, the, the seasons overlap too much. You got travel ball playing in a bunch of different directions. How did your, your sports calendar work out? And like, what did it do for your, your development, you know, as a baseball player, big picture? Um, my schedule was, I mean, my first year I just did basketball and baseball. So in the fall, I would, you know, down here we do fall baseball, which is just, it's not, it's just really to get reps, meet your teammates, you know, and, and build chemistry. So I would miss, I'd, I'd show up to fall ball for maybe a couple of weeks and then get into basketball season. I'd start basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, I play that out all the way until the first game of high school baseball. Like mm-hmm. uh, one year, I literally, the first day out of basketball season, I pitched six and a third against Jupiter High. <laughs> so like probably not the smartest now that, you know, I've learned, I've learned, but uh, um, that was most of the, my, my three years. And one year, my sophomore year, I played football. I was a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately that was too much. Um, the high school football coach at the time asked me if I could, quit one of the other sports. And I said, absolutely not. Those are my two favorite sports. So I had to step down from playing quarterback and um, it, it ended up working out uh, for them and for me. And I just played basketball, but it was, it was crazy, you know, going straight from basketball to baseball, but I was a kid, you know, I didn't really know about, you know, you're supposed to have your arm in shape and all these things that I know now. So it was crazy, but it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for the world. As I said, the game is so much more specialized now. You kind of like appreciate the bygone era when athletes were athletes. Um, were, you, were you also involved in strength and conditioning in high school or did that come later? That came later. That actually came uh, when I got to USF. I didn't even do much training in, uh, in JUCO. Um, I didn't know much of it. We just went to the field practice and then I'd go play seven, eight games a day of basketball at the, at the 24-hour field. <laughs> that was my training. I was going to say it probably preserves some important athleticism, but you, you hinted at the, the JUCO experience. And I know a lot of athletes everywhere and certainly a bunch that are listening to this podcast, they're all like very dead set on the division one dream, you know, and like that's the love affair as they come out of high school, but you found yourself, uh, you found your way by going to Palm beach state first talking about what went into the decision to go play junior college baseball and how your recruiting process and your, your development kind of played out on your path um, through college ball. Um, so for me, I was getting, you know, uh, contacted by division ones. Um, I, I originally, I thought even if you committed to Juco, you could still, um, talk to D ones, which you can, but the, the division ones I was talking to like FAU, they had relationships with Palm Beach state. So mm-hmm. they were, you know, once I did that, they were kind of like, Hey, um, we're going to stop recruiting you, but we'll be watching you at Palm Beach state. Mm-hmm. And you know, it is what it is. Um, but for me, I was hurt. I, I, my senior year, I wasn't I wasn't healthy. I had a bone spur and I didn't throw a lot of innings. I played more uh, like, you know, center field and shortstop and just random positions that hit because I had the bone spur. But um, going to Palm Beach State, I think it's just all part of the journey of making me who I am. You know, we we didn't have a locker room there. We didn't have the greatest, you know, uh, equipment, whatever. But it definitely helped me become the person I am today. Um, so, you know, I think when I talk to guys, it's, you know, these high school kids that I talk to here when I come back and help, 
or even kids, you know, I train, whatever I tell them, like, you know, it, it's just about opportunity. And, you know, if, if you do what you have to do, man, you're, they're, they're going to find you, you know, you don't have to just put the pressure on yourself to go there. Some guys, even now, they'll just not go to D1 just to keep uh, their draft eligibility open. So, but I, I think the junior college route, um, if you, if, if you can do it, like obviously D1, if you have a certain school, you know, you go there, but I think it just makes, it makes you a stronger you know, individual, a stronger player, and just overall a better person. So, yeah, and I mean, looking back, you're—I actually pulled up your like Division One statistics. Like your average fastball velocity, your your sophomore year, so your first year at USF was eighty-seven point four. I gotta assume is a little bit below that when you're in junior college. Like, what kind of an arm were you in high school? Like coming out as a senior, were you were you eighty-two, eighty-four? What was the what was the number? So for me, I actually I had so I had the bone spur. I I threw I threw upper eighties in high school. I was a harder yeah. thrower. But uh, once I had the bone spur, I, I got that removed. I got to Palm Beach State. I actually was throwing – my freshman year, I was throwing 92, 95. You know, I was okay. throwing um, – and actually, I'll talk about more of that uh, in the next part of this. But, um, you know, I was just – I was a thrower. I threw mm-hmm. hard. And yeah. I ended up blowing out, which what I was told was the bone spur kind of was, a, you know, related to that when I got to my mm-hmm. sophomore year at Palm Beach State. I blew out. Um and then I went to USF and had the Tommy John, but I came yeah. back. My arm slot wasn't the same. You know, I didn't have all the video and the technology. I was throwing from over the top when I had, yeah. you know, my, my arm slot now is more lower. So the velo wasn't the same, but what it did for me, it helped me become a pitcher. And I, yeah. and then, you know, going into, this is more for the next uh, questions, but uh, it helped me going into pro ball where now I was, a, you know, I had a combination of knowing how to pitch, but yeah. also I got my velo back, which, you know, as a thrower. So yeah. that's kind of what my story was with that. I love it. Um, I mean, so many guys look at the Tommy John period as like a massive, like setback in their career. Like, it's, and I don't put words in your mouth. It seems like it was really an opportunity to, to figure out what made you who you are. Yeah, it was definitely frustrating because I, I, you know, the velocity um, wasn't where it was and, you know, the draft and all that stuff. But I didn't allow that to affect me, at, you know, on the mound. You know, I still went out there, I competed for my team. I was able to put up, you know, all conference numbers both years. I didn't get drafted for it, but, you know, it definitely taught me how to use my pitches and be more precise with the location and and, and sequencing. So then when I did get to pro ball and I, for some reason, figured out my arm slot wasn't where it was, it was, it needed to go back to normal. Boom. The velocity came back right away. And then it was, it allowed me to be, you know, even better pitcher than when I was at USF. Yeah. So talk to you about that. You obviously you put up some, some great numbers at, at USF. You, you weren't drafted, but you were signed shortly thereafter by the Brewers as a free agent. Um, and they immediately moved you to the bullpen. Um, and I'm curious, you know, the velocity bumped up. Obviously, the, the results have been outstanding. You kind of searched through minor league baseball. What, what was it? I mean, was it the delivery? Was it, you know, a different mentality? Was it a change to the pitch mix? When you look back at what made you almost more successful as a pro pitcher than as a college pitcher, what were the biggest adjustments? I think a little bit of that was what I said, just from um, combining the pitching with the throwing, you know, getting my velocity back to where it was before Tommy John, uh, being a better pitcher where, you know, locating my stuff, understanding that you're not just trying to throw the ball by guys, you're trying to set up pitches, that kind of stuff. Um, And then honestly, like I just had that effort mentality, you know what I'm saying? I, I treated every outing like it could have been my last, you know, just because of being undrafted and, um, you know, you, you get there and you see kind of how it goes with pro ball, especially for a guy. And I, I, 
I just was real with myself. I was very realistic. That's one thing I try to, you know, be is very realistic with everything in life. So I just treated it like every outing could be my last. Don't let, don't give in, don't, you know what I'm saying? Give out, whatever. And yeah. I just kept that, you know, a, a thing I go by is like, you can't spell compete without Pete. Like I literally live by that. Like, you know, I said that before, like, but it's, it's, it's really how I go about it, man. Like I just try to go out there and leave it all. And then, you know, as I continue to throw more in pro ball, I just, you know, you learn about yourself, you learn about your pitches, what works, what doesn't work. And then getting there with the technology they have with the track man and all that, they help me and allow me to understand what, what works even more for me, you know, throwing up in the zone, even though I don't throw a hundred and stuff like that. So, yeah, you know, it's interesting because it's like Tim Collins was one of our first big leaders all the way back in the 10. And Tim was an undrafted free agent, just like you, um, 2007, is, is when he was brought into Major League Baseball and he was on an opening day roster in 11. And I, and I go back and I look at it and he had to put up absolutely like comic book numbers as an undrafted free agent to, to basically do what he did. Um, and, and man, you weren't, you weren't far off from that. I mean, you were an undrafted free agent in 2018 and you basically did it in the exact same you know timeline. You were a big leaguer in 2022. And, and that includes a, a loss year for the pandemic. But, you know, along the way, I know just like in passing, we, we, had, we had conversation, man, you were frustrated because you were putting up the numbers and it wasn't easy just to like skip a level or anything like that. Whereas, you know, first rounders can, all right, high, it doesn't matter. You really have to check every box. Like, was there, was there a psychological aspect of that too, of like knowing that you had to be, you know, effectively better than a guy that was, you know, drafting top five rounds? Like, did that weigh on you? Did it motivate you? How did you view it? It definitely was just another, like, you know, it was something that motivated me. A lot, there's a lot of things that I have that motivate me, and that was definitely one of them. You know, and it's just understanding that, like, I I knew I wasn't a high draft pick, so you know, I just knew I had to go out there and show them what what I could do, and 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 I knew that's with everything though. That's everything in life. You know, even when I got to college, like I had to show them what I could do, and so for me, it was really just use it as a motivation, uh, you know, chip on the shoulder, and 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 go out there and just compete and leave it all out there. There were times in my career where. Um, you know, in the lower levels where I thought I was pitching really good and and I was just, you know, one thing I was taught early was never play GM in, in baseball. So I was taught, <laughs> you never play GM in my first year in pro ball. So I never did that. But there was times where, you know, I'd see things happen. and I'd be like, you know what, man, like it is what it is. I can't control that. Like control what I can control. And, and I did that. And I'm not saying it was easy at all because I'd be lying to you. But I just know like and you've heard me talk about it before. It's just. You got to just stay locked in and stay focused, man. Like you can voice your frustration sometimes, but nobody wants to hear it. Just, just, you know, just yep. use it as motivation. So that's what I did. I love that. And, you know, just as you were getting some momentum on your side, and I just hinted at it, like the pandemic happened and, and you missed a season. And I always think, Batman, you were one of those guys. I, I remember you and Spencer Stockton and Jack Cushing, like just some of these guys that stand on my head. It's like you, you basically made your own season at CSP that, that summer of 2020. Like you can't just go out and lose out on the 80 innings or whatever it is that you were counting on. Talk to me about like the, the mentality, like going into that, um, you know, what did you learn going through that experience and, and, and what changed for you as a pitcher over the course of that summer? Um, I would say that was one of the, the moments in my career where, I knew um, that I could be a big leaguer. I just had to go out there and, and, and improve it. But being around those guys, those, you know, the guys in the big leagues or the triple A guys, all those guys, um, it gave me, it, it gave me like the, the, the confidence and showing me like, you know what, dude, like just cause you're here and you know, in this level and you're not whatever, like you have the stuff, like you, you have the ability, like you face these big league hitters, you've gotten them out. Like, 
that for me was the moment where I turned and I said, you know what, like, I know I can do it. I just need to like prove it and go out there and just keep knocking on the door, keep knocking on the door. But that was the moment for me. And like you said, I, I went out there, I, I pretty much got a regular, regular season in. Um, I, 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 I was hinted, like they told me I might go to the, uh, the alternate site, but I didn't. So that was just another chip of motivation another, you know, so, but that was really the, the summer that kind of helped me like, um, you know, cause I'm good mentally, like mentally, I, I don't, I think I'm pretty strong up there. I think I'm, you know, I'm good, but that was the moment where it was like, nah, dude, you see all these guys, they're, they're normal dudes, yeah. man. They're regular dudes. Like, like sometimes people will portray them, them as like aliens, like as big <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. how it was portrayed to me at times in the lower levels. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't, but I've seen big leaguers before, but the way it was being portrayed to me was, nah, dude, they're in a whole nother atmosphere. Like you're not mm-hmm. even close to that. But then that summer was like, no, I am. I actually yeah. am, man. And that really was for me, that was the icing on the cake of like, just go put the work in, dude, and and something will happen at some point. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think back to that and, you know, it was like one of those, those 2020 seasons. I mean, we had college guys that were competing against big leaguers and, and live ABs and things like that. And you never really realize how good you are until you, you effectively play up to the competition. And I look back on it, man, summer 2020 at our facility was like a scouting director's dream. Like it was a chance to basically see how, uh, you know, dozens of guys in like low A, high A would fare against big league hitters over the course of a couple months. It was looking back, it was one of my, my favorite times in the history of the facility. And um, it only worked because you guys were like, nobody sat around and moped. Like everybody agreed they were going to go out, they were going to work, they were going to get their work in. And um, and we had guys that got over a hundred innings that summer just so that they didn't have like a drop-off going into the next calendar year. So it was, it was pretty cool, man. Um, so I'm curious, like the, the, you talked about the delivery changing over the years, right? Like Tommy John happens, the arm action kind of climbs up a little bit, you know, it's now come back down and you're kind of like one of those, those unique attack angle four seam guys. It's a, it's a big time crossfire deliver, uh, delivery. You get a high spin four seamer from, you know, it's a very traditional lower slot. For you, like, you know, first off, talk to me about how you wound up there and then maybe building on that. Like, what are the what are the checkpoints so that you know you're going well? So for me, I'm probably the the, the type of guy you do the opposite when it comes to, to pitching coach to a player. Right. Like, you know, I'm not the traditional. So I never had a pitching coach growing up unless it was a coach on one of my teams. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an interesting question when it comes to where did it start? I. I just think that was a natural arm slot for me. I don't know if it was from growing up, you know, playing around, like throwing the tennis ball, like playing baseball at the neighborhood or football. And mm-hmm. I don't know what that came from, but it just felt natural. So Palm Beach State, through our high school through Palm Beach State, I threw like that and it ended up like being good. And then I remember when I went to USF, the arm slot went up and my shoulder never felt great. I was always feeling like soreness in there and um, and then finally got back. But um, for me, it, I, I keep it simple when it comes to keys. I think don't rush because I if, if you ever see me pitch, I'm a real big tempo guy, too. Like I like to get the ball. Throw, and sometimes the only thing I can do with that is I'll start rushing. And there's a difference between being quick and rushing. You know, yeah, those are really my only cues. It's just it's just don't don't rush and get and let the arm get late. Besides that, I try to keep it as simple as possible. Like, you know, I never had a pitching coach when it came to, you know, coming up unless, it, like I said, it was just, you know, USF, Palm Beach State or in high school. So that's really what it is. I try to keep it as simple as possible. This game's already hard enough as it is. So, you know what I'm saying? So I try to keep yeah. it literally as simple as I can. Was there was there an adjustment? I know you started a ton in college and then obviously going to pretty much exclusively relieving in pro ball. Was it 
was that a big difference for you or was it something that came very naturally? Um, at first it was definitely a, a difference just because I'm a huge routine guy. I'm all about a routine. So, uh, but once I was able to get a routine, it, 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 it felt natural. Now I think back, I'm like, man, what would it be like to start again? You know, I think like that, but I think with, with a good routine, you know, you can, you can get comfortable with anything. And I, that's what, what it uh, ended up being for me. Um, so that delivery we talked about is it, it also sets you up for a, a, a slider with a ton of horizontal movement, right? It's one of the best in baseball. Um, and, you know, the sweep has gotten bigger and you've, you've certainly added velocity over the last couple of years. Um, you know, what were the things that helped your slider take like such a big step forward? I mean, was it always good and you just learned to refine it or did you, did you change your grip? Did you change a mentality with over the last couple of years? Um, honestly, I, I, I truly believe it was always uh, a solid pitch and I think it's still solid. I, I don't try to think it's great because, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I appreciate what everyone and, you know, people say that, but um, I think it definitely got more horizontal movement. I think that's just with getting stronger and getting, um, you know, my arm has been in great shape just with the training we do and the harm care I do and all that stuff. And, um, you know, so I think just that has helped the movement profile mm -hmm. and, um, being able to like, you know, as I played more baseball, I've gotten more comfortable with like, you know, messing with the ball and doing stuff like that. You know, I think I can make the ball move kind of a couple of different ways and, and still throw the same slider, but it have two different movements with the same grip. Um, but yeah, I think it just, it's gotten better just because, you know, and I also take things from guys like, you know, Taylor Rogers was a great guy. Like when it came to, we would talk about the slider all the time, you know, he's mm -hmm. left-handed, yeah. but it's very, it, it's similar in a way. And, I was picking his brain, like, you know, how do you throw the, the, the slider when you, you know, you want to sneak one in a backdoor uh, yeah. situation, you know, it, so it's situations like that too, that have helped me uh, talking with guys like him, you know, with similar pitches like me and, you know, helping me like, you know, cause that obviously at the big league level, it's a different ball game. So, yeah. you know, just little things that you could take from someone, it, it mm -hmm. helps. You know, one thing I've, I've heard over the years, actually originally talking with like Steve Ciszek about it, just because he had some of a lower slot as well. It's like, how do you attack your throwing program? Like, how far will you long toss? And when you're long tossing, like, are you mindful of not coming out of your delivery or will you let a little bit more go when you're trying to air it out a little bit more? Once I get past 75 feet, I, I will, uh, I'll, I'll crow hop. I'll, I'll do that to, to, you know, not mess up. Because I noticed in the past when I would go too far and then try to, um, you know, still like, be strong and stay in my, within my mechanics, it would, it would play with stuff. Mm -hmm. So once I get past 75 feet, I, I, you know, I, I hop with it and mm -hmm. um, I still make sure I'm, you know, cross body and stuff, but then the ball tails mm -hmm. on me. So I yeah. in season, I won't go past 120 feet. That's gotcha. like a long day for me. Yeah. That's like stream day. Most of the time it's 90 feet. And um, in the off season, I will long toss just because I, I feel like it's good, you know, just to let that the ball go and feel it mm -hmm. coming out deep and, uh, that extension is good, but mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm not big into the, uh, like throwing far, especially as a reliever, you know what I'm saying? I, I just stay within that and I feel like that's what works for me. So that's what I yeah. do. And, and there's, there's a change up too. Like we didn't even talk about that. You don't obviously use it nearly as much, but there's a lot of feel for it. Um, like you don't necessarily see a ton of guys that are crazy crossfire changeups. Like, what is it that like makes it an effective pitch for you? Like without, you know, are you, do you still feel like from that delivery, you're able to like manipulate the baseball you need to, or is it like a grip it and rip it pitch still for you? It's definitely a finesse pitch for me. Yeah. Um, it also, that was my best pitch in college. Mm -hmm. um, my changeup was my best like off speed pitch. 
Um, but yeah, it, for me, it's just, um, I throw it a lot. I throw it every day, especially during the season. I throw it because it's a definitely a, a field pitch. It's, you know, you got to have that finesse with it. Um, but um, I would say there's a there's a cue for that one where I just try to keep it uh, shorter, like with yeah. my arm a little bit, just to uh, not get too long. It's not noticeable to the naked eye, but yeah. it's just a little cue that helps me stay because, uh, you know, with my arms, the, the way I throw from a slot, um, if I get too, like, rotational and, like, kind of it gets out and then it cuts, they'll cut on me. Yeah. So um, I got to make sure I'm, like, my, I use my thumbs down on top of it and then, you know, get that break. And I'll use it on the other side of the plate, but not not a lot, you know, on the glove side because it's at its best when it's middle or uh, arm side. But, yeah, it's definitely – I feel like that's a pitch that doesn't get talk, uh, talked about as much, but I think it's a great pitch. Absolutely. Um, and maybe, you know, you hinted out a little bit with some of the, the Taylor Rogers discussion, who's a wonderful guy. I, we need to get him on the podcast. I love Taylor. But you, you and I talked recently about some of the important lessons – that you learned in your first year in a major league bullpen. Um, you know, you talked about like Boxberger being a great mentor to you, but um, you know, what, what are some of the big takeaways, you know, for our listeners that, that you learned this year and, you know, kind of a half season in the big leagues? Um, I would say for me, I kind of, in the beginning, you know, especially as a young guy, like I would just sit back and kind of watch from afar mm -hmm. and see, you know, what these guys did from a routine standpoint and, um, you know, McGee is another guy too. Um, you know, his, that guy has been playing for, for 14, I don't know how many years he's in. He, he, our conversation was, I was up for a little bit. It was brief. He may or may not even remember me, but like, all jokes aside, but like, I had a great conversation with him. Just, you know, he said, you know, I, I, I do T spine. It, 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 it helps me like just little things like that, where it's so random, but I took that and added that to my, uh, routine before the game. Um, you know, Rogers with the slider Boxberger with, just every day, like, you know, how to be a guy like him who's nine years, almost 10 years this year in the show, you know, like those guys, like until you get there, you don't understand how hard it is to stay there. And, you know, that's why I'm so appreciative of those guys, you know, Brent Suter just helping me be a, a constant professional every day, you know, and just being a great dude. And even when you have the bad outings, like don't be, a, you know, don't be that one guy, like be the same guy every day, um, you know, work hard. Um, there were so many that I can't even think off the top of the head. Yeah. Like it just, I was so fortunate with that group of guys, man. Like, yeah. you know, Devin, Devin helping me just, you know, being confident and, and, um, you know, just telling me I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm good. Like you're good. Like every day I'd be talking, like, he's like, dude, you're good. Stop. Like he get mad at me <laughs> if I'm something like that, you know, like, yeah. oh, you know, there's an option coming up, you know, this, don't talk like that. Like just focus here. You're here today. Like get your work in, you know, when your name's called go out there and, and perform. And so I was just fortunate to have that group, man. There were so many of those guys, Bush, Bush, another guy, like, I, I don't want to leave anyone out, but just a great group, man, that really helped me a lot. And I couldn't imagine being with a better group than what I was and helping me, you know, hopefully having a long successful career because of those guys. As a friendly reminder, this episode is brought to you by Proteus Motion. Proteus's resistance training is known as 3D resistance, and it's revolutionizing the way that we can train athletes in a variety of planes of motion, and also the way that we can test those athletes to best design programs to make them successful. 
We used Proteus at Cressy Sports Performance for the past few years and collaborated them to develop the Cressy Power Test for rotational athletes. If you're working with baseball players, this is a must-have tool for making sure that you design the right kind of programs for your athletes to get them to where they want to be as quickly and safely as possible. The Proteus allows you to train various points rotationally on the force velocity curve in ways that you just can't get with medicine balls, weighted balls, weighted bats, things like that. Again, you can learn more about Proteus at ProteusMotion.com. Again, that's ProteusMotion.com, P-R-O-T-E-U-S Motion.com. You know, and one of the things that I thought was cool is like you didn't just get up there. Like you were, you were I think, second in the team in appearances over the last couple months of the season. And your workload went up quite a bit. Like what did you have to learn about the management of just the overall stress, right? Because in the minor leagues, everything's really predictable, right? It's yeah. uh, maybe maybe every other day, like you very rarely go back to back. Um, and the big leagues, you know, you, you get thrown to the wolves, especially because you guys were in a playoff race there. So what, what were some of the things that you learned about yourself as you kind of encountered higher volume and frequency? The first thing I learned, the best ability is availability. So mm-hmm. like being available for your, you know, your team and then also being there for when guys go three days in a row. Um, you know, you could pick those guys up or guys went back to back, you know, um, that was one of the first things I learned just, you know, taking care of my stuff. You know, Brent Suter was huge. He's like, Hey man, when you get home, like you should be doing uh, the Mark pro, like Mark pro every night. Like that was one of the things I added to my routine. I ended up investing in one and buying one. So now, you know, if I threw, or if I was feeling like a little heavy, boom, like I was doing the Mark pro every night in the hotel or wherever I was at, you know, that's something that helped me. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's just little things like that. Um, and then, you know, how you eat, uh, what you're doing in the weight room, you know, um, mm-hmm. the lifts that I would do, I would make sure I was still available, like fresh for the day, you know, the games. And mm-hmm. it's just it's just a lot of little things, man, that people don't really see until you're in that moment. You know, and I didn't even see it because I've never been to a big league camp. Yeah. I've never met any of those guys really until the day I showed up to the big league. So, um, you know, just you got to really, really – pay attention to the the way you go about your day, man. Every little, yeah. every minute matters, you know, hydrate, you know, hydrating, what you're putting in, fueling your, you know, your body's your temple. So there's a lot of things like that, that I looked at and I've, I've taken from that. I put now into my off season with the way I eat, mm-hmm. you know, how I'm taking my recovery seriously and, and all that kind of stuff. It's big, man. You, you might only go out there and throw eight pitches, but it might be 18 hours to actually prepare for it. So I think people forget like how much has to go in just to make sure that that, that 1% is optimized. Um, so I'm curious, like, you know, as you think about all this stuff, what, what does the casual fan not necessarily appreciate about like MLB bullpen pitchers, you know, whether it's like, whether they're hanging or, you know, or something like that, what's, what are the bigger things that you think that, that a casual fan could benefit from here? Um, I would say that the, the grind of having to be locked in every single day, even if you're not, unless it's a day where, you know, you've been told by the, the, the coaching staff, like, Hey, you're down today. You know, like we had a little thing where, you know, if you were in this like hot tub or something, you were down that day and <laughs> it's like a spa day or whatever. Right. But, but the, the being locked in, even if you don't pitch, it is so draining. Like, yep bright lights like all that stuff like it is it is draining and and you have to like be locked in like especially a guy like me where i never knew what when i was going to pitch i didn't yeah. know if i was I threw, in the, I threw in every inning this year in the big leagues besides the second inning i threw in the first and then the <laughs> third all the way to the ninth so just having to be locked in and focused and you know you're, you're looking at scouting reports you're you're watching swings you're looking at all those things like like it's a lot. And then the, the thing that's, you know, the, the most fans that they don't notice is 
I had a couple of outings this year, at least three or four, where I was told at 12 o'clock at night, um, I had to be, I had a flight at three in the morning and I had to fly to Milwaukee or somewhere and uh, be ready to pitch that day. And I pitched on every single day, but one, and you know, they don't see that. So, you know, if you have a bad outing, which nobody cares, but you know, you're exhausted, you know yeah, what I'm saying? That's up two hours less. <laughs> yeah. I had an outing on there. Forget we were facing Washington. I was like 91 to come out of the game and I was, I was exhausted, but I, you know, whatever, like you got a battle, right? I get hit with a line drive off the leg, like 98, I catch it. And then after that, I guess my velo went back to like 94 and <laughs> I, uh, my pitching coach was like, yo, what happened? You took that, it took a ball off the leg to wake up. And I was like, man, you're right. I'm sorry. I gotta be, be I gotta be better than that. So it's just little things like that, that, you know, you might not see and you don't appreciate until you go through that grind where you're just in the middle of the night, like flying around. And so it's just little stuff like that, but it's part of the, it's, it's what you sign up to do. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta live with it and find ways to be successful with it. It's a different world. We're talking about a little bit about your training and your throwing in season. You always talked about like how far you want to toss and stuff like that. Did, did you throw every day with like pregame catch play? Yeah, I threw every day unless um, um, it was a day where I was down and then, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they would be like, you could take today off. So those yeah. are the only days I wouldn't throw unless it was like yeah. a legit off day. Yeah. Um, what about like what about like the training side of things, Just sprinting, lifting, stuff like that? Training, I would do, I uh, would set Tuesday, Fridays is like, a, that's a thing I got from, uh, you know, a guy with us um, every Tuesday, Friday, no matter what, if you pitch, you didn't yep. pitch, whatever, every Tuesday, Friday, I'd lift. And then as the season goes on, I, I kind of like get off the weights a little bit mm -hmm. and then get more into like uh, sprinting and body mm -hmm. stuff, like movement stuff. And then um, we in Milwaukee, we're fortunate enough to have like a, a pool work uh, where we could do like a pool workout. So I would do that towards the end of the season. Nice, man. It's, it's always an adjustment, figuring out what works and what doesn't over a long haul. Um, all right. We always we always wrap up with a lightning round. Um, and I'm actually I'm curious to see your answers on some of this stuff, because um, I do know you, you still coach on the side. You come back, you help out in your communities. And um, you also have gone out of your way to take a lot of like younger guys under your wing. So um, favorite teammate of all time and why? And you can pick a couple if you want to. Yeah, I got a couple. Uh <laughs> The, the you know most recently Brent Suter man like that guy yeah. took me under his wing he he welcomed me into his house yeah. you know I got to stay with him and like I said just helping me with like the transition of like becoming a big leaguer yeah. like that it, he he did more for me than he'll ever know even though I tell him that but <laughs> Brent Suter um man I, I gotta think so uh then another guy for me is Bryce Terang in the minor leagues uh him and this guy named David Fry, man, we, we were still so close to this day. Bryce, I still see him because we were in AAA living together. Just two two other guys that I, we came in at the same year, 2018. Um, we kind of went up with each other. Um, so, you know, those are two guys that, you know, I've just been doing the grind with you. It's not like doing the grind with some people that you could say, you know, we went this level, this level, this level. So those are two teammates. And then, man, college. Uh, I had a lot of good, like a lot of good teammates in college. So I don't want to keep going. I know it's lightning round. So go ahead. No, that's all good, man. More merrier. Um, what pictures do you like to watch and why? Like, I'm curious just because the, the delivery is obviously unique, but I'm sure there's some guys that you really uh, model yourself after. I like to watch my friends, but besides yeah. that, um, I definitely, out of was a, was a name that yeah. I watched, but he, he was a comparison at one time. Then he wasn't, then he was again. So yeah. him, um, like seeing him this year, he has no idea that I exist on this earth, but I saw him <laughs> when we played them and I was like, 
this is kind of like a, a crazy moment. Like people would like compare our deliveries and stuff. Obviously, I would kill to be, you know, the career he's had and the success he's had, un unbelievable. But uh, he's very similar just with the crossbody and the slider. But then yeah. he throws a sneaker, I throw a four seam. So that's a little different. But the, mm -hmm. the mechanics and then uh, um, Houston Street is one that I just recently got. I don't know. My, my bullpen coach says I'm Houston Street. Um, I didn't really get to watch too much film on him, obviously, because he's played uh, a couple years back. But, yeah, I, I don't really watch too many guys, honestly, like, mm -hmm. which I don't know if that's good or bad. But um, but definitely Adovino would be the one guy that I did when I was coming up for sure. That's a good one. Um, and a great dude, too. Um, you've been a lot of you've been around a lot of MLB veterans at CSP. You, you obviously rubbed out with guys like Scherzer and Verlander and Paul Goldschmidt and Arnott and a lot of these guys during, you know, pandemic, lockout, all that stuff. As you look back, like what's what's the most helpful lesson that you feel like you learned from one or more of them? Like what stands out in your mind is something that, that changed your career for the better? Um, I would say it's more not even with the baseball side of it, just seeing how they go about their, you know, their work and just seeing like like I told you how they're they're just they're regular dudes, man, that are just yeah. freaks, obviously, when it comes to mm -hmm. like, you know, being incredibly good at baseball. But they're just really good dudes. And I see them in the gym. I don't really go up to them as much. You know, my personality kind yeah. of like, you know, I, I'm more. But I, I I observe. I'm very observant. And just the way they treat guys, no matter what level you're at, you know, you don't need to know someone's name. But you, they don't they I'm sure they know the impact they have on these guys just by a small little conversation. So just seeing that from afar to me and, and then seeing those guys in person and training alongside them. Like that was the days where I said, you know what? Like I could really do this, man. Like I could really do this. And, and so that's really the biggest thing I took from those guys, not even having conversation with them, but just watching them, how, how they are as people. And, you know, obviously seeing how good they are. Yeah. Um, they're, they're not, they're not satisfied. You know, it'd be really easy to get satisfied with yeah. you know 10 plus years in the show and, and money in the bank. So I think that's big for our guys. Um, what about some advice for a teenage Peter? Like if you go back in time and talk to yourself at 16, what would you say? I would definitely tell myself to take like uh training more seriously. Just cause I, I didn't know any, you know, I, not that I didn't want to work out. I just didn't know. I had no idea. Um, so definitely training would be one as long with the throwing as well. Like, you know, keeping your arm in shape, it's like running, you know, you want to be in good shape. You got to run. Same thing with throwing. You need to throw, you know, get build up to be. So that, that's something I would tell myself. And I would definitely just do what I do to these kids now and just say, Hey man, like if you have a dream, like, push work like there's going to be obstacles it's not going to be easy nothing in life is easy but just keep doing what you're doing man and like you'll you'll get, eventually get somewhere where you want to be and and obviously that i've been fortunate for that to happen so that's a that's a really good spot to end on man that's a good you're you're, you're closer in the making right um <laughs> hey th thanks for taking the time dude. you know on a personal level it's been it's been awesome to see your success i know i know how hard you worked behind the scenes to to get where you are and um you, you making the debut this year was a big moment for everybody at the facility and i know we were we were cheering you on from afar not just because of the player you are but obviously the, the person you are. i know you, you do a lot in your community and you treat people right so um appreciate you taking uh, taking the time to come on i appreciate it you know i i wouldn't be where i'm at without csp so that's a that's that's why I, i'll never not keep talking about CSP. So I'm very appreciative of all you guys. I'll give them a man. Now go out to that basketball game. True team on. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> See you guys. Have a good night. <laughs>